Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out the studios at Silver Tranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, which is also the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a one-year Bible college program that you can come and not only uh, study um, in some classes, but then also have the opportunity to learn how to serve um, in the context of camping ministry um, and, not, and even kind of build relationships with other people. Oftentimes we see the MBI class of students um, develop relationships that last a lifetime. And so it's a unique experience. It's not just a Bible college. It's a one-year kind of Bible college that smashes with a kind of service experience year slash um, a whole lot of fun um, for a relatively inexpensive cost. And the cool thing is, is that you actually take Bible college level courses that you get credits for that uh, later on down the road, if you really wanted it to, can transfer over to other institutions. And so it's a great way to come and really have a solid biblical foundation for whatever you do in life. So even if you're going to go be a plumber, going to go into ministry, just going to sit at home and game, whatever it is, I don't know, (laughs) whatever the the popular thing to do is today, but it'll help you establish a solid foundation in your relationship with God. So I encourage you to check that out. Head over to NicolayBibleInstitute.org or just go to SilverTranch.org, scroll to the bottom, and you can hit the link there um, and see all of our other ministries that we host here at Silver Tranch. But uh, we enjoy coming to you on this show each and every time. Just having conversations. I think it's something that we're that our generation, uh, at least my generation and the generations after me, don't do much anymore. No. Uh, we don't like to talk uh, face-to-face uh, and have genuine conversations where we can agree or agree or disagree and even do that civilly or whatever it is. But that's why we just want to have this, to have conversations and talk about God, who he is, and how we can live each day in light of our relationship with him. You know, I think that's our my generation's fault, though. We, we were obsessed with sound bites. Mm. Yeah. Forget forget saying anything in detail. Right. Just get a sound bite. But at least you guys still talked on the phone. We did. I mean, my generation doesn't even talk on the phone. Well, we we are yeah, we are the hybrid, but nobody wants to talk on the phone. Yeah, anymore. you know, I saw some. I I don't know what age group it was, but they were making fun of people my age for calling them. Yeah. It was like text. Yeah. Don't call. And certainly don't leave a message. <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to think, really? That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I Re- get it, but yeah. Whatever. What do you mean, don't leave a message? I called you. You weren't there. You didn't answer. So I wanted you to know something. Yeah. What happened to that? I mean, that's really not in? I don't know. I mean, if somebody calls me, I'll pick it up. And if I'm busy, I won't pick it up. And in my mind, well, if it's important, they'll leave me a message. Right. And I'll check my message. I'll okay. give them a call back. Uh, well, you're a millennial, so we're, but, going, but I we're prefer going younger than you. I prefer, uh, yeah, we're going younger because, I mean, I ran into a situation even yesterday where I got an email, you know, asking about explaining a policy on something. And I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, it's going to take me quite some time to put this in an email, and I know that they're probably going to have some follow-up questions. So I replied, I'm like, how about we just have a phone conversation that we, we can go back and forth, and if for some reason that doesn't work, then I could email you. Okay. They replied and said, actually, could you just send an email? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> All right. Like, what we we're done to. talking so in anyways. this life. Yeah, this this life we're done talking. You gotta you gotta put it in a sound bite. You gotta put it in a text. Yeah. You know. However, uh, most people, a, a lot of guys my age, I've just learned that you can talk to like your phone and have it do something. So yeah, I'm still learning that part. Um, so I guess I am talking in a way, in a way to my phone. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. And then it types it out. Right. 
and probably <laughs> types it out wrong. But it's it's interesting though because it's the generation on. I mean, we have summer staff that we that we hire for, and if you if you know a college age student or somebody that's graduating high school this year that w- is looking for something to do this summer, we're looking for um, summer staff. Right now we have our applications open for where you can come and spend 10 weeks during the summertime. Um, and you could choose whatever area you want, whether you want to hang out with the horses for the summer, be on our maintenance crew, be on program and interact with campers, whatever it is. Uh, each summer we, we try to recruit at least um, 50 college-age students. Some of them end up being our MBI students, but then there's there's some on top of that. But we're getting ready. We're in the middle of that process. So if you know anybody, it's like, oh, let me tell so-and-so. Please do, um, because I think it's an opportunity that could not only be a positive influence, but could ultimately change their life in a lot of cool ways because yeah. it'll push them in ways. But the reason I share that is oftentimes when it comes to the, the other side of the application process when we're calling these students, I call them all. And nine times out of ten, it goes to whatever voicemail, if they have a voicemail set up. Hmm. And then I get a text back instantly from that number saying, hey, who, who is this? You just called me. <laughs> <laughs> like, could you just pick up your phone? <laughs> well, you know what, though? I, I I don't know. But when I get a phone call and I don't know the number, I just delete it. Yeah. So, so. That's, that's just my head. Well, I leave a voicemail if I can. Right. I, I, if they left a voicemail, I would listen to it. Yeah. But if there's no voicemail, it's gone. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. It, because the I, same way. I, if you don't have enough to say where you're not going to leave a voicemail, I don't want to talk to you anyway. So yeah. we're gone. Yep. So anyone out there, if you dial my number, you better leave a voicemail and I make it back to you then because then I know who you are. But right. there's so many spam things. And so in one way, I don't blame this younger generation. It's like, you know what? That's we're, true. We're getting a thousand phone calls from, you know, your car's out of warranty phone calls. Yeah. And uh, you don't want those, so you just don't answer the phone. Right. Especially if you don't know the number. And how are they going to know my number if I call them? Yeah. And I, and I will say that, that it seems like another growing trend, which I don't know if I'm a fan of, but at least in its improvement, is people just FaceTime each other all the time. Oh. You yeah. know, and just do do that. But I'm like, well, I don't necessarily need to see you all the right. time. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we can just talk. But anyways, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. No, I will. If a young person FaceTimes me, I'll let it go and then call him back. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> and not FaceTime. Yeah. It's so like, I don't like, need to FaceTime you, but we yeah. can talk. I'd love to talk, but yeah. we don't need to FaceTime. Anyway, we've been talking. The, the last time we got together, we were talking about uh, God's provision. 169 times, there's probably Bible verses that refer to how God takes care of us. And how do you live in that context where you can not be anxious? Now, the Bible is very interesting. We have, we have a problem with anxiousness in our culture. Yeah. And the Bible keeps saying, why are you anxious? Don't be anxious. Uh, let me read uh, just Matthew six nineteen to 24, where it says this. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That's very clear. Um, I, I want to read just the 24th verse in the Weiss translation. The Weiss translation is a, 
uh, kind of an expanded translation. It, it, it's cumbersome, but it helps us understand what the original language was a little bit. So, What do you uh, mean by expanded translation? Expanded. The, yeah. the Bible is not written in English. It was written basically the Old Testament in Hebrew and, yeah. and the New Testament in Greek. So the, the Hebrew way of speaking is not the way that you and I speak. Right. The Greek way of speaking is not English. It, it, they express things differently. Yeah. So uh, in order to understand the exact uh, representation of what they say, sometimes it's cumbersome because we wouldn't talk that way. Mm-hmm. For example, if I say Spanish, to me, a lot of things in Spanish are backwards. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, instead of saying I'm going somewhere, it's like going somewhere I am, you know, or whatever right. it might be. So I can understand it if I translate it exactly, but it's not the way I talk. Right. So when you read the Bible, you have to realize English is a translation. It's not the original. So there's a, a bit of uh, scholarly advice that has gone on. People have gotten together and said, if we say it in English, this is what we say in order to be true to the original. Right. Absolutely. Um, but then there's these guys like Weiss who just said, well, if I were not to be so correct in English, I would say it this way if I were just representing it the way it was written. Yep. So let me read it to you in the okay. Weiss. No one, well, let me give you the 24th verse in the English regular and then in the Weiss. 24 okay. regular. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, in the Weiss translation, no one is able to habitually be habitually serving two masters, for either he will hate the one and the other one of a different kind he will love. Or one he will hold firmly against the other, and the other one of a different kind he will disdain. You are not able to be rendering a slave's obedience to God and a passion for accumulating wealth. So it's a very interesting uh, dynamic there as it goes on. It's, it's talking about uh, the habit that we have in life and developing habits. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't say that you shouldn't go out and work and it, and work in a way where you earn a living. That that's not what that verse is saying. Right. It's talking about what actually your your loyalty is to, mm-hmm. because money doesn't take care of you. No. God does. Mm-hmm. What the Bible tells you and I to do is that we should go out and work. Yeah. Now, it, it, anyone that's listening here, it, it's not about laying around doing nothing and expecting other people to take care of you. If you're healthy, you should be out there doing something. Yeah. And if you're doing something, you'll get paid something. Some of you will probably get paid way more than you deserve to get, you know, a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Some of you might get way less than you probably should get a ridiculously small amount of money. But what the scriptures are saying basically is it's not the money that you that puts you where you belong. It's God. You get up and you work. Mm-hmm. And if you work, you'll eat. Those of you that make uh, relatively little, you're probably going to eat cheaper food. Yep. Those of you that make way too much, you might eat more expensive food. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But it's not the money you serve. Yeah. It's God you serve. Uh, when I teach this to young people, a lot of times I'm, I'm trying to teach them, you know, first of all, God made you a certain way. So the poor people of the world, the rich people of the world, everybody needs to hear about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he's got you slotted. You know, I have uh, no interaction with some of the very successful football players on the Green Bay Packers. None. Right. Why? I'm not a football player. 
I'm just a fan. I'm somebody who lives in the area. Nobody would want to talk to me if they're a football player because they've all got their mind on, oh, this is a fan who wants my autograph, whatever. And, you know, so it's one of those things. In that process, I'm not a very good missionary to the football players. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to be. That's not what I was called to do. Right. Now, they might listen to this podcast. Well, that's how I can minister to them then because I don't know who they are. Yeah. But the bottom line really is I got called to to work in the ministry of Silver Birch Ranch. Kids from all over the country come here. Those are the people I get to talk to. I get to do some of the radio on Q90. We get to do some of these podcasts. Okay, so that's part of what God's called me to do. Yep. Now, a lot of what I do, I don't even get paid for. Yeah. But that isn't what matters. Mm-hmm. It matters doing what God put me on this planet to do. And as I was trying to describe to another guy I was talking to recently about you know, you get older, or do you consider, you know, do you have enough money put away or whatever? It's like, it doesn't actually matter because it's not the money that's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. It's going to be God who takes care of me. And I've understood that through the Bible. Yeah. And I do think that I'm one of the richest people that ever walked the planet. Mm-hmm. If you knew my salary, you'd say, no, you're not. Well, that's because it's comparative. Right. The truth is I get food every day. I live in a house that I own. I don't have any debt. I'm actually living a very good life in that sense. Yeah. God has supplied all my needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, do I live as if I am a millionaire? No. Mm-hmm. But that's because I'm not. Right. You know, I'm in a different bracket uh, than that. And it's okay because God has supplied all my needs. Mm-hmm. And when I look for um, healing, whether it be of cancer, when I look for uh, a way to, to know what the future holds. I look to God. I don't look to my own brain to try and understand that. But even more here, there's this one line I think we should just put everywhere. It says, you cannot serve God in money. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. God has said, you cannot serve God in money. There is no way to do it. Right. So what I want to flesh out here is, what does that look like? I mean, what does it mean not to serve money? Mm-hmm. I mean, people today are getting up all over the place saying, I got to go to work in order to make money. Mm-hmm. So they're going to work in order to make money. Is that serving money? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Now, there are others that are getting up and going to work today. And, and their mind frame is, I'm going to work. I'm going to represent Christ well. I'm going to look and see what God is doing in the, in the lives of the people around me today in my world. Yeah. Oh, and at the end of the week, I'll get paid or something. And and then I I need to use that money wisely. Mm -hmm. See, that's the difference to me. 100%. Right there. Yeah. And and how are you getting that mind frame from when you're young? I don't know. You've got young boys in your family. How do you get people to think that way from the time they're young, that they don't just do it for money? It's definitely intentionality to do that because our world tells you otherwise. You know, especially living in America, it's all about, that making money or, or having certain status or having certain stuff that makes value you know and i think we have a different mind frame because it's like man if we have the opportunity to share something with somebody then let's do that but i think as as i teach my um boys how to just serve without you know it's even the context of serving without expectation um and i think our culture is so ingrained into wanting to make more or have more or because we don't have enough it's like well, we just need to kind of 
pause and, and deflect that. And I, I think I, I personally really realized that. Like, I knew it growing up. But I think it really hit me when I actually lived abroad for a few years. I actually lived in Northern Ireland for four years. Not that they're much different from us. But I would say, and I came back saying this, is I, I came back saying in America, we live to work. But over there, it was different. People work to live. You know, it sounds similar, but right. it's drastically different. And right. it kind of gets at what you're saying, Dave, is that we can look at our jobs to say, well, I'm doing this to make money. So that way I can eventually do what I want yeah. versus like I'm working my job so that way I can actually enjoy the relationships I'm in. Yeah. Um, and I think it totally, dra- it totally changes it. You know, it, as I get older, I get to talk to guys who are um, getting to the age where they're thinking, okay, you know, should I retire? Is it is retirement in you know my future? How soon? Whatever. The interesting thing is I, I find guys in two different categories one saying i'm counting the days to my retirement yeah the other saying i really am not looking forward to my retirement mm-hmm. so what i've done when i hear either one is i try and dig down a little further because i i'd love to understand what they're saying exactly so far and i'm sure i'm not 100 percent on this but so far the ones who say i can't wait for retirement have been ones who have only worked for money mm. They, they've realized that money is what drives them. And the only reason they get up in the morning and go to work is to get money. Yeah. And they're not happy. Right. They don't want to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. The others that I've talked to that say, I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do the rest of my life. I don't know if, if I want to retire or whatever. They're not working for money. Mm-hmm. They have something bigger that they're going to work for, whatever yeah. it might be. Right. Um. You know, I, I, I heard a young person talk the other day, and they were talking about uh, uh, understanding the, the work of God and the presence of God in their life and, and at work. And they said they were miserable until, uh, and I might be summarizing them wrong a little bit, but this is what I heard. Yeah, They were miserable until they realized that God was working in people's lives. So what they did is before they left the house in the morning, they would just talk to God and say, God, here's the people I'm going to work with today. Right. Whatever you're doing in their life, if you want me to be a part of it, I will be. Mm-hmm. But show me what I need to do to be a part of what you're doing in their life. Until this person was convinced that these people, mm-hmm. that God was actually doing something to reach them. Yeah. They were going to work just to make money and leaving them alone coming home. Yeah. Well, then work became this burden that they had to go through, too. What changed in their life was every day now they're anticipating God doing something because they know that God loves the people they're going to work with. Yeah. Am I supposed to say something, be something, do something for them? Now, all of a sudden, work isn't just about money. It's about how do I represent the king the best in this situation? Yeah. You know, I would suggest if you're a young person and you're looking for a career, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't look at the money until you choose what career you're supposed to be a part of and realize that God wired you a certain way. If you're a welder, if you're a, maybe you'll be a mailman, you know, maybe you'll be, you know, a scientist. I have no idea. Uh, in, in the process, though, why don't you pick and look at how God made you and wired you yeah. and get into that? And wouldn't it be wonderful for you to go your whole life? When you go to work, whatever it is, and never feel like you went to work. 
Right. Absolutely. And and I would encourage young people to think about that, you know, because I think oftentimes we allow money to drive our decisions. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying that you have, I think there's responsibility in decisions, but I think a lot of young people face that when they're trying to decide after what, whether it's after high school or trying to decide what to do for college, what to study, you know, I think they're, they're, they're processing those things. And I think we allow money to influence that. But I, I agree with you, Dave. It's like, well, what do you feel God has called you to do? Whatever that is, go do it. Right. Uh, I mean, the amount of, I mean, I, I look at even when I went to college, the, the all, all, my friends that graduated, it's like, man, how many of them are actually doing what they set out to do versus like now they've shifted to be real estate agents or whatever. Like, and I'm not saying that those are wrong, but it's like, the whole conversation, are, are we living for the money? Right. Or are we living for the things that God has called us to do with the giftingness that he's given us? Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that every situation, that, you know, those line up, you know, like, like obviously God may put you in a business setting with gifting and talentness and you could do that and you can be a light to your coworkers. Right. You know, I'm not saying that you have to be in ministry. I'm just saying, you know, God has given each of us talents within the context of our, of our giftingness to say, well, I could either focus on the money side of this and knuckle down and not speak up, or yes, I, I've been blessed with a nice job that gives me a lot of money, but I can also be a, a platform for who Jesus is, right. you know, and that's one thing I appreciate even, you know, you made a comment the other day. I mean, we talk about sports sometimes or even football. I mean, in, in Wisconsin, people talk sure. about the Packers regardless all the time, but one of the observations that you made, Dave, is is even in the NFL, you have a lot of these younger quarterbacks that seemingly love Jesus. Yep. And they're not afraid to live it out. Right. And to me, that's cool because it's like, it it just shows like, all right, I, I feel like this next generation is, is starting to finally realize like, hey, money isn't the answer to everything. No, it isn't. You know. You know, I, I think that this is a passage that the Bible specifically says you cannot serve God and money. You cannot do it. Yeah. There's no way to do it. So if money's the only factor in your job, money's the only reason you go to work, money is it, then you need to readjust the way you think. Yeah. And and that I'm telling you because you will never be healthy serving money. Money cannot be your God, little G. It can't be it. Mm-hmm. I've never said you shouldn't get paid for going to work. Right. Right. I've just said money can't be the reason. Right. And 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 if I own a business, then what you're always looking at is okay. Here's what the business brings in. I should be fair with the employees, whatever it might be. It's not about the money. But the the little saying I use a lot to keep things, and I and I always kind of put things in perspective by by putting little sayings together in my head. Yeah. And this one is, don't love what you should use, and don't use what you should love. Yeah. You know so. We're meant to love God. We're not meant to love money. Yeah. We're meant to use money. Now, when you put it that way, it's like, oh, so the money I have is meant to be, right, used. Mm-hmm. For what? Okay, now that's another question. So, so right. now you go through the Bible and you realize uh, God gives you resources. He, you, you need a place to live and you need a, a, in our culture, you need a phone and you need a car and you need a, okay. Could it be that the money is to supply your needs? Well, I believe that God supplies your needs. You went to work to represent him, and the resources you have now supply your needs. Mm-hmm. So it's God supplying those needs because you're actually working for him. You, you're you not working any other manner. You do respect your boss. You, you actually 
are, are a great employee that way. If they if it's eight hours, you get paid for your work eight hours, your whatever it might be. However, you're really working to honor God, and so that money then becomes His provision for you. Now that's where the questions come. Do I spend the money this way or that way? That's where you spend time in prayer thinking about. You know, do you, do you buy filet mignon or do you buy a cheaper cut of meat? I have no idea. Yeah. That, that's not what I'm talking about necessarily right at this moment because I think that's an ongoing situation. God gave his people the you know a, a land filled with milk and honey. He's not against you enjoying the spoils of the land. Right. But you don't love money. Mm-hmm. You don't love the things that get you that because it's God who gave you that. Right. Um, likewise, then you can apply that in every area. You don't use people, you love people. If you tend to work for money, you tend to use people too. Yeah. Because you love the wrong thing. So since you love money, you would actually use people to get money. Mm-hmm. No. Y- you know, you might share your resources with people. Yeah. But you don't use them to yeah. get money. Then you're using something again. So I think there's there's that little ditty you can keep saying in your head, is this something I should use or love? There's only two things in this world that you should love, and that's God and other people. Yeah. Everything else, everything else should be used, Yeah. not loved. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, puts you cannot serve God money on a understandable, understandable phrase. Yeah, and I think that's so true, and I think – I think that phrase is a really good phrase. I actually wrote it down because it helps you put into perspective, you know, a lot of life, especially in a, in a first world country that is surrounded by so much consumerism. Right. You know, um, we allow other things that we, that to put it, we allow other things that we should be using that we're loving instead, whether it's, whether it's time devices, you know, like just pause and think. And I think it impacts a lot of what we do and it's not just money, but money's part of it. Yeah, well, I've talked to young men that I've mentored, and basically when they're in pornography, doing that kind of thing, yeah, I'll tell them, so you're using those women, you're not loving them. Yeah. And they just look at me like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yeah. If you love somebody, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. You, right. You know, you think of what's best for them, and that's not best for them. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, it, and you can go through again, you love two things. You love God, you love people. If you, Some people actually, the way they pray, the way they think of God, they use God. Hmm. Yeah. They don't love him. Right. Or they use people. And so what drives them then? Themselves, they love money, they love comfort, they love... No, comfort should be used, not loved. Yeah. So anyway, it's a great little thing to, to play around with. And and I think in this passage, go back to Matthew chapter 6 and, and realize God's saying you can't serve God in money. You can't do it because you're actually going to love one or the other. You can't do both. Right. And if you try, you're going to be frustrated because you're going to go against what God said. Yeah. And I, and I think it'll help us not to be anxious in life right. if we focus on those things. And because like we said, I think anxiety is something that has exponentially grown in the last four years within our culture. And we see the negative impacts of that. And it's, I think, because we need to go back and realize that God is in control. We can trust him. And he just wants us to focus on the right things and, and trust that he's got it. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the truth there. And so like Dave said, I encourage you to spend time in Matthew six. I mean, there's a lot of nuggets. We only jumped on a couple of verses. We only talked about one aspect of it, but even if you want to spend a week there, I encourage you to do so. And I think it'll help you, um, just learn something new about God and challenge your perspective because challenging your, 
there's pr- perspective helps you understand more, right? which is awesome. Uh, but unfortunately, we're, we have to bring our conversation to a close. I encourage you to head over to whatever podcasting site that you use and, and either re-listen to this podcast or download another episode. But for now, this is all the time we have. This is Jason and Dave here on Younger and Older. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.